Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast where the New York Knicks just beat the Miami Heat off a crazy Julius Randle game-winning three-pointer. We talk about that with the legend Ariel Pacheco right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, and I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today, and every day we are now available on all platforms, and that includes on YouTube. So now, with, I mean, the Knicks are on an eight-game winning streak. If you're not going to do it now, when are you going to do it? Uh, throw us a subscription. Just hit that subscribe button in the bottom right. Uh, hit the notifications bell so you never, ever miss an episode. But uh, who's talking to you? I am Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster, staying up very late to record this a day before I'm about to broadcast four games. And I, I got to say, I've, I've probably never been happier to start a Knicks podcast or more excited. Uh, this was an incredible win. Uh, maybe, maybe I, I, I say it during the pod, but maybe one of my one of my favorite Knicks regular season games ever. Um, and uh, couldn't have a better partner than uh, Ariel Pacheco uh, to break it down with. So, uh, without further ado, we get into uh, Julius Randle's game winning shot. Maybe, maybe a little bit of lack of cohesion for the Knicks uh, late game that was a bit concerning. Um, heroics from Jalen Brunson from Emmanuel quickly. It was it, it was a movie, and we'll, we'll we'll break it all down right now on Locked On Knicks. All right, guys, as promised, we are lucky enough. Wow, great, great night for him to come on, to be joined by uh, Ariel Pacheco. Um, follow him at A Pacheco NBA, uh, the, the best, uh, along with our guy Benji Ritholtz, of course, the best Knicks film breakdowns out there. Uh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Dude, I think, I think your tweet summed it up perfectly, that that, that, that one play perfectly encapsulated Julius Randle's time in New York. It was, oh, no. Oh no! Oh no! Oh, he's really good. He's really good, and the Knicks won. Oh. I mean, that entire possession was just like, yeah. what is going on? Like, what is this? Like, <laughs> and then out of nowhere, yeah. yeah, like he could he couldn't hold on to the ball for like longer than like a half second, and then he picked it up somehow. I don't. The ball bounced off his leg, and he still was able. I don't know how to go out of bounds or anything. But yeah. Shout out to Julius for making the most of what was a really, really ugly possession. I loved how, um, like, I don't know if you saw the post game interview, but Breen asked him about it, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, he actually got a clean strip on it. Like, it was so casual. It was, it was like it, there wasn't complete chaos. There was like, yeah, you know, like he hit it, but I, I knew I was going to get it back and hit the shot. Jeez, um, so I mean, the, the the transformation for this guy from like enemy number one in New York, admittedly enemy number one in this podcast. We spent we spent a full summer, and a, a lot of like people can deny it now. A lot of people were listening. Um, <laughs> that uh, saying that he should get traded. Um, and then, I mean, look, there's been like a lot of redemptive moments. Like, obviously, this isn't his first major game all year. Um, like, there was a, a stat out there tonight that he became the first Nick of all time to have multiple games with 40 points and eight plus threes for a guy who couldn't make a three to save his life last year. And to to the point of your tweet, like, down the stretch, there were like a lot of the classic Julius problems that, that, that just killed us, right? Where he's holding on to the basketball. The decision-making isn't so good. He's touching it in in kind of compromising situations. And 
and I'll, I'll, I'll let you speak on this, but like you could, you could put that on Tibbs, you could put that on Julius. Um, but it was, it had all the hallmarks of like another ugliest, uh, another, uh, I just combined ugly and, and Julius in the same word. <laughs> it's not deserved after tonight, but like another, like ugly, like Julius ending where like he, he tries to take over and it doesn't work. And then made the crazy fadeaway over Bam. And then, and then of course the game winner. Yeah. I mean, the down the stretch, I thought Julius, you kind of see some of the issues. Like he's kind of has, he, he processes things a little slow, especially when teams are aggressive defensively. I actually think that's an, kind of like a, a Nick wide problem is that they, they kind of have slow processors other than like IQ and like OB maybe. Those two are, are pretty quick at reading defenses and, and making the next pass or, or attacking a closeout. But if you ever like see Julius or, or sometimes even Brunson, when the ball is swinging around the perimeter, Julius always kind of, a, kind of holds it for a second. And you can see the little hesitation to, like, swing it. And then a lot of times, like, Grimes is, like, the one who suffers from it. I think it kind of throws off his rhythm. But also the Heat really turned up the pressure, like, defensively. Um, it was a crazy shot-making game for Julius. He made some incredibly tough shots, which is a credit to him and his game. But down the stretch, I think we kind of – which I think is a larger point, which is going to come up, I think, in the playoffs, is because we saw it against the Nets as well, is when teams double and trap Brunson the Knicks are not well equipped to kind of handle that. And I'm sure you've seen the same thing. Yeah, it's, it, it's a great point. I, I think on, on, on the processing speed where it feels like, and, and I, I said it two minutes ago, but they just, they haven't had to play a lot of close games lately. Right. So those issues haven't really cropped up, but you kind of knew it was there in the background. And I mean, just coming into tonight, this, this felt like the sort of game that like that the Knicks would lose, right? I mean, the seven-game winning streak, they were due for a night where they just didn't shoot it quite as well. I mean, finally, a team in the Heat that can kind of match their toughness and, and whatever intangibles the Knicks have. I mean, the Heat seem to have that in the playoffs every year tenfold. And I mean, Julius was talking about like how much everyone loves each other on this team and how that's fueling what's happening on the court while the Heat are, are kind of the evil empire and they probably hear that and like kind of scoff at it and say like, all right, we're going to win because we're ruthless and we're better than Jimmy Butler is going to somehow end up shooting 20 free throws, whether, whether you have or not, he's going to find a way to do that in big games. And, and it felt like every bit the playoff game against a team that has a negative point differential this year, but the Knicks broadcast team noted it. They're on track to literally set an NBA record for most games, one by five points or less. This is what they do. And now in what, like a, like a two week stretch of games, like the Knicks have beaten them twice. Um, and, and they're still, to your point, there are real issues there. And I just think there has to be more of a plan. And I, I'm curious what you think about Brunson having the ball in those situations, because tonight I think it was a case like he had that incredible stretch, right? Like coming off the ankle injury, scored eight points, had an assist in the final nine minutes, but, but maybe just didn't quite have it in him to like, especially the heat size to, to take over um, in the final uh, two minutes or so. But I, I think, I mean, the, the simplest version of the plan like involves him being the one making decisions down the stretch instead of Julius Randle, right? Yeah, I guess the, the problem with that, well, tonight at least, is that they took the ball out of Brunson's hands. They, they weren't letting him cook. You know, he got a couple um, possessions off where he was able to get to his, you know, one-on-one, his sweet spot at the elbow. But other than that, they really um, – made sure to to make Julius the decision maker or make other guys the playmaker, which is also why I, I kind of questioned um, them taking IQ out of the game yeah. um, and putting in RJ because IQ is, is, I tweeted this as well, that he's the best release valve on the team. Um, he really helps Brunson, you know, get rid of it. He, he's a good outlet. And then he does a good job of making the next play um, because Brunson's job is to just draw two. And then after that, it, it's on 
the rest of the four guys on the Knicks to, to make it, you know, to make the defense pay. And I think, you know, that was a little something that made it trickier. Um, Josh Hart is pretty good at it, um, though he kind of had a rough game tonight, um, which I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on at some point. But um, overall, I, I think going to Brunson down the stretch is always the right decision. Um, he's been good more often than not. Um, but when they take the ball out of his hands, it's important for the other guys to kind of be able to pick up that that load. Um, and Julius was able to do it tonight. He had a couple of big shots down the stretch, actually. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just a credit to him. And, and he just deserves all the praise tonight. Yeah, I'm curious almost if if Quentin Grimes can be someone in that mix because he's had, a, I think, a weird season from that perspective where the first 20 games or so when he was healthy, like I, I think like you, you might have even put him ahead of quickly on that upper, on that echelon where he was he was so good, like obviously, like specifically with closeouts, like it just felt like his processing was was quick, but but on top of just like his processing speed, like like his ability to like, I mean, I don't know, maybe this means the same thing, but like he, like he feels, it felt like he had a list of priorities in his mind. It was almost like a computer program. Like, all right, if they don't close out, shoot, if they close out hard blow by, if the big steps up slip to the center, um, if the big doesn't step up, finish in the lane. And like, he would do that over and over and over again. And what got me so encouraged about that was, I, I was I was kind of thinking of like the end of game implications. Like the Knicks weren't good enough at that point to think about the playoff yeah. implications. But I was I was thinking like, all right, this is the kind of guy you can have at the end of games. And it felt it it sort of feels like with Grimes that slipped up a little bit to the point that like, if despite his defensive ability, like he wasn't even a consideration down the stretch. Seemingly, I mean, like he was he was in there for a little bit, but it, it was going to be Hart, and then it was going to be I guess I guess quickly or RJ. And and, and to your mm-hmm. point, I mean even more than offensively, like defensively, like it killed me that quickly wasn't in there because they got, um, uh, they got first, like the lob from hero to bam was when RJ mm-hmm. like didn't recover well enough. And, and Mitch, I thought played it like in, in terms of guarding two guys at once, like about as well as you can hero just threw bam, a great pass and bam went up and got it. And then if I'm remembering correctly, bam missed a, a short jumper. Oh, oh no. Yeah. And, and then you had quickly come back in and you had the play that probably should have been reversed where like he got caught up on the bam screen and, yeah. and couldn't and kind of knocked the ball to hero's hand and like RJ like he just does not have that maneuverability he doesn't have that foot speed and we we saw that all night defensively when he was guarding hero so I I just I wonder what's going through Tibbs's head there yeah I think I want to touch on something you brought up which is the Grimes thing with, with the yeah. processing speed and the checklist thing I agree completely and I think the next step in, in his development is he's always going at 100 miles per hour um mm-hmm. I think sometimes you know I think his quick his first step is is quick. He gets by everybody. There's not a closeout he hasn't beat this year. Um, yeah. But I think his next step is to just, you know, it's okay to pull it back out if you don't have anything, or, or it's okay to just, you know, start and stop. It's just he's always on go, which um, I think teams have kind of are, are adjusting to and, and are understanding that his first read is to shoot. If the if the shot isn't there, he's going to attack the closeout, and if he doesn't have the layup, he's going to dish off, dish it off, and the Heat were not helping off the corners every time he closed out, and, and they got a couple of steals or, or kind of a couple of deflections that went out of bounds. But I think that's his next step in his development is to just go a little bit slower. It's, he's always at 100 miles per hour. Yeah, I I, I think it's a, it's a great point, and it and maybe that's why the decision making tree is so simplified for him because like he knows the four steps, but only doing only doing one thing. Like he only knows like one avenue or like one like layer of the decision making tree one one route maybe is the term i don't know um but I, I quickly before i wrap up this first segment i also just wanted to note on julius because obviously it wasn't just the shots down the stretch the the 21 point 
first quarter that included like at one point he had this crazy like personal 8-0 run where he hit um he hit like the short fader and then the back-to-back threes and then I thought the other really key um like stretch run of this game for him was the third quarter when the heat opened up the third on a 13 to 4 run he hit like he had a face up long two then a contested um right wing three and then another one where he was about four feet behind the line. Bam was right in his face. It didn't even feel like he got a clean release on it. He kind of just shot put it and it still went in. And then in the fourth quarter, like backing down Jimmy. And obviously, if you're the Knicks, you want more fluid offense. And and thanks to Josh Hart in part, and, and even more so to your point, thanks to Quickly, we've gotten real stretches of that where the Knicks look like this, this brilliant passing half-court team. But I, I think when push comes to shove, they're going to fall back on their bread and butter of, of ISO ball um, in, in kind of tough situations against great defenses, against championship DNA type teams, which the Heat, um, Heat are, like regardless of what the record is this year. And you got to have someone who can make those shots. And Julius, like whether I enjoy it aesthetically or not, which I, which I don't really like, doesn't really matter. Like, like he, he made those shots and that, that, that was the difference tonight for the Knicks. Yeah, it's interesting. Usually this season, Brunson has kind of been the stabilizing force, you know, for the Knicks when things when other teams are going on a run. It's Brunson that gets the big bucket. But especially in that third quarter and, and down the stretch, obviously, Randall hit the game winner. But it was Julius, especially in that third quarter. Um, Brunson got hurt, too, towards the end of the quarter. So it, a lot fell on his shoulders and Randall was able to to hold hold down the fort, um, which is obviously good to see. I'm I'm curious to see what happens, you know going down the stretch because I, I think Julius has kind of had his rough moments in clutch games and clutch situations. Um, and we've seen it come up here and then you, every time I'm on Twitter and like Julius does anything wrong in the clutch, everybody's like, why does Julius have the ball? So I, I, I don't know. I'm not, it's neither here nor there, but it's just, sure. I'm curious to see if Julius can keep maintaining, you know, if he can build off this moment that he had tonight where, where he was huge down the stretch and he had, he had a couple of the biggest buckets of the game. So, that's just something, a small thing I'm watching for down the stretch of the season. No, I think, I think it's a great note because I, I mean, to, to everything you said, I mean, this is what teams are going to do in the playoffs, right? They're going to force the ball out of Brunson's hand over and over again and be like, all right, anyone else beat us. And whether it's quickly in there or you expect Grimes to make a jump or, or Randall can, because like, I, I think, I think maybe what we're both saying without saying is that <clears throat> this is maybe not totally sustainable from Julius. Like I'd have like in a seven game series, maybe two, two games like this, which is, is, all, is almost enough, maybe one game like this, but I don't know if he's going to be able to do it over and over again. Um, I want to touch on Brunson's night too. I want to touch on Quickly's night, but first we will uh, take a quick break and then we'll be right back on Locked on Knicks. All right, guys, Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Uh, my player of the week, how could it be anybody but Julius Randle, 40 points, Eight three-pointers again. The game-winning shot over the Miami Heat capping off just a ridiculous week of shot-making for Julius Randle. And and what I've always loved about Randle is his stunning power, but also the elegance of which he plays. There is a duality to his game, the ability to just punish smaller defenders over and over again with brute force but then to also be the guy who comes out and, and does his best Steph Curry, Clay Thompson impersonation, draining eight three-pointers um, in a night. Uh, he, is, he is the perfect encapsulation of what it means to be a Nissan Aria, or, or rather Nissan's most electric 
Player of the Week. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV. The all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. You can shop now at NissanUSA.com. All right. Uh, segment number two, we're back with Ariel Pacheco uh, to discuss. Man, one of, I, I, this is like a, a borderline top 12 Knicks regular season game. I mean, who, who am I kidding? I, I should just say top 12 game. There haven't been a lot of playoff games in my in my fandom. And Ariel, I know I know same is same is true for you. Um, what, what, what a night. What a win. Um, man, how about how about Jalen Brunson uh, t- turning his ankle? Uh, comes back in the game. You're like, all right, like, like, is, is this going to be like him showing how tough he is? Like, can he actually still play? Like it's a running banker, um, gets a, gets another bucket, um, right after the heat took the lead, had his signature, like reverse pivot fall away, had that pass to Mitch for a dunk. Um, I mean, I, 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 I don't know if there's like actually like a lot of like quote unquote content there because like this, this is just what we've come to expect for the guy, but I mean, between him and Josh Hart, like the Knicks just and, and quickly too, like the Knicks just have these guards that Im- embody New York. And I think everything like we've ever idealized about Knicks players past, like just so incredibly well. Yeah, Brunson is just like toughness personified, the way he just kind of can take a bump and just get right back up and and, and just power through and make sure, you know, that the Knicks that he's in there for the Knicks down the stretch of games. He's it's, it's incredible. Um I'm running out of adjectives to describe his level <laughs> of play right now. Like um, we can't officially call him an all-star, but he's he's been at an all-star level all season long. Um, but I, I mean, I don't even know what else to say about him, man. He's just—it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch someone, you know, who who came from outside of the organization and has already kind of taken on that leadership role. It's it's not easy to do, and and he's done it pretty seamlessly. I think it's kind of crazy because I think I two two different positions, two different guys. Obviously, Brunson's older. But it feels like in some ways he's sort of stepped into the shoes that RJ was supposed to fill with like with RJ. I think early in his career, like the perception in some ways was like, all right, he was going to be the ultimate tough guy. Like obviously hit the shot against the Celtics last year, like he was going to be the guy taking and making those shots. And like and and to be clear, like that was never who RJ was as a player. And like he was he's, he's never been as, as skillful or nearly as an, as efficient of a scorer as as Brunson is. But, but more so from a spiritual perspective, it feels like Brunson is kind of taking on that onus of like, all right, this is the dude who, who is, who is Mr. New York. Um, and, and maybe that that'll have interesting implications down the road, but I, I, I want to get your thoughts on, on Emmanuel quickly, because I, I know like me, you, you, you just love the guy and I'm sure the last uh, two months of him essentially just not having a bad game for two months, which is, is, is always good. Um, has only solidified that opinion in your mind, but, but man, what, what, what do you make of, of what he did down the stretch of, of this ball He's- game? He's putting it all together. Um, there, there's almost not a possession that goes by where he doesn't have like his fingerprints all over it, um, offensively, defensively. Um, even on that that questionable call on the on the Bam Adebayo screen where Harold got got fouled, like you can see, like he's just trying to get skinny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just trying to get skinny around the screen. Like he, he's just he, he's he's a beast at getting around screens. Um, and and then the three point shots coming around. I, I thought we were kind of due for like a big kind of three point shot kind of game. I don't know how many threes he hit tonight off the top of my head, but he, he hit a couple of big eight. ones. Yeah. Five for eight. Yeah. So you see the, those threes. And the ones nine. he hit in the fourth quarter were loud. Yeah. Five for nine. So, I mean, he's just putting it all together. And then, like, he's become this, like, amazing score within the three-point line now. He's, he's His two-point percentage is, like, at 52%, give or take, Um, which is you tell you tell us that like during his rookie year, we'd be like, oh, yeah, we'll take that immediately. Like, yeah. so he, he's just put it all together, man. And, you know, the sixth man of the year, he's, he's 
putting you know some real pressure on, on voters and i think you know he, he's the the betting odds are are rising in his favor but um I, I think he deserves to be in that conversation um i, I think he just brings so much to the table that like you, you have to like put his name in there yeah and i think his his rookie year right we we, we saw the confidence the swagger like come out when he was really shooting well and the issue is it, w- it would dissipate a little bit on nights when he wasn't shooting well, because I mean, I'm sure guys would, would probably say this to him on the court, like, all right, like you don't really have an answer now, do you? And he didn't like, it was, it was like, get a guy on his hip and like throw up a floater from 10 feet away or, or like take advantage of the old rules to get someone up in the air and Draw get to the free throw line. And he was, yeah, and he was, he was good at those things. Right. But like, it was, it just didn't really feel sustainable and you get these incredible performances but they were few and far between and he's gone from that and, and then who he was last year which was again more inconsistency who was the first 20 games of this year was it was a ton of inconsistency um to like it, it feels like one of the most consistent nicks like i mean a quote-unquote role players because he's, he's more than that um that i remember and there's like um, I, I've always said this about him but there's like uh what's his uh, tom piccolo was uh was pointing this out tonight like there, there's just an innate sense of the moment for him and it's like, this is sacrilegious to say, but it's, it's almost a little bit Steffish where like, obviously it's to an infinitely lesser degree. He's never done the playoffs. He's never done the finals. He's never even done it as a starter, but he just, he just has this sense like, all right, like I can like kill their spirits with the three right now. And tonight he made, what, what was it like two or three of those? But then to your point, like when that, when that shot's not there, I mean, yeah, he had, he had two of them like back to back in the fourth quarter, but he, he had another play where um, the heat had cut it to three and he he caught the ball and he's like he he faked the pass two different times and was just looking for an outlet and there was nothing there and he's like all right I'm just gonna blow by Caleb Martin who's a pretty good defender and and hit a runner in the lane and that just that just wasn't an option for him in the past and and, and to your point like it feels like he is an answer to every question a defense poses to him now yeah I mean and and I mentioned this earlier but like he he's the best one equipped when they're taking the ball out of Brunson's hands and you need a decision maker to to, to break down the next step of of the heat's defense for example tonight he's the best guy equipped to do that he's just it's come full circle for him um you mentioned the consistency it's just like uh, night in night out you know what you're getting from him um and and that's so valuable especially coming off the bench you you just knowing what you're going to get from someone it 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 raises the floor of your team and then his ceiling is still immensely high i think um i've always been i thought i've always been higher on him than most um so i'm just excited to keep watching him develop and and I don't know. I, I just, I love watching him in a quickly play basketball. It's a lot he's of fun. Incredible. It's, it's so, he's going to, I mean, what do, what do you think the money he's getting at this point is going to be this summer? Like, I feel like if you told me like four years, 20 million, I'd be like, all right, sign it yeah. right now. Like no, no thoughts. Like I almost, I almost wonder if it could be higher than that. Yeah. It's, it's going to be like, I, th- I think it'll be like somewhere like 17 to like 21 ish a year. Yeah. Um, uh, Somewhere in that figure. If I had to guess four years. Um, I'm, I, I'm sure they're going to lock him up. I think I saw Ian Begley say that he would be shocked or something if they didn't. So yeah. I'm looking forward to to seeing what deal he gets. Yeah. And I don't want to, I, I, I hate to circle back on a bash Tibbs thing as he just became, uh, this is another a, a tweet from Nick's PR, the, the, uh, set, the first coach since Red Holtzman do two different eight game winning streaks in the same regular season. But wh- wh- why do you think he had RJ in there down the stretch? Because I, I think to me, and like this was, sort of the same thing with Alfred Payton and, and what we saw from Alec Burks last year when he played over quickly where, where Tibbs kind of fetishizes size like that. Like, I think, I think it really is like, it's like a binky to him. Like it's, it's a security blanket to just have as much length on the court as possible. But I almost, and 
and this isn't totally a fair critique because I think IQ, like even last year, I think maybe led the Knicks in fourth quarter minutes. Like, like Tibbs generally loves Emmanuel quickly and he's, he's shown a ton of faith in him this year. But I, I, I just, I wonder like maybe, maybe someone asked him post game and he gave a good answer on it, but it, it's just so curious to me because to me, Emmanuel quickly represents security almost more than anyone else on the Knicks on the defensive end, because every decision is correct. And he's, he's just like, sometimes he'll get beat physically, but he's, he's always in the right spot. Yeah, I think I'd lean towards thinking he wanted more size out on the floor. Um, but if not, maybe he thought, you know, they needed like a little bit of a scoring punch. And I think he views RJ as like a scorer. Um, you can tell by the sets they run for him. He does get a lot of initiating reps. Hmm. So those are my two guesses. Um, I don't have a perfect answer. I do think, I said this earlier, but I do think IQ should have been out there. I thought he defended Hero, Hero a lot better than, than RJ did tonight. Um so, yeah, I think for the most part, like barring someone else having a, a better like scoring night, I think IQ should be like a staple in the closing lineups. I, I think he's earned that already. And I think right. it's too valuable not to have on the floor. Yeah, I'm 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 with you 100 percent. All right. We're, we're going to we're going to take one. We'll come back, uh, run, run, run through the rest of the rest of heroes on this on this Knicks team. You know, 122, 120 victory over the Miami Heat. All right, guys, if, if you're like me, you're, you're probably looking for a delicious treat, but ultimately don't want all those fat and calories well if you are like me then you got to go try a built bar we just got through the holidays and and i'm already a pretty healthy eater but perpetually just just a little underweight i'm a i'm a, I'm a tall tall lanky guy um so if, if you're like me you got to try built because with the built healthy is actually tasty seriously they're so delicious you won't think they're good for you perfect for our new year's resolution and for me when i'm working out more i need I need fuel, right? And Built Bar is just the perfect fuel because they're delicious. What makes them so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut almond. Guys, my mouth is literally watering. And now you don't have to wait to get a box for years. We've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can go get them at a local Walmart or Sam's Club. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, a whopping 17 grams of protein. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. All righty. Um, you you said earlier, and this is kind of this kind of uh, my ears perked up a little bit. You said you didn't think Josh Hart had a good game, and like, and maybe I I, I don't know. I I certainly agree there were like some bad decisions. Like obviously the the technical wasn't great, um, and he didn't really score much, right? Just five points in thirty three minutes. But this, this sort of felt like almost like a typical effort from him in this game. Like again, like really good in terms of plus minus plus sixteen. And like of course, single game plus minus isn't the be all end all. But but I'm I'm, I'm curious why you said that. And why you think that? Um, maybe bad was too harsh of a word. I, I'd yeah. go with the word sloppy if I had to, to redo that. Okay, um, gotcha. I, I think yeah. he, had, yeah, he had a couple sloppy plays, a couple yeah. like uncharacteristic turnovers on the in transition where he thrives. Um, I, I do think he was a better option down the stretch over Grimes and RJ. Um, I, I would have gone with IQ and Hart for the two wing positions. Um, I just thought that it was like, I, I guess he's just set so much high expectations like with the past, what, seven games before tonight. Um, but I do think this was like his sloppiest game as a Knicks so far. Yeah, I, I, I hear that. The, um, I, I think it just lodged in my mind the, the play he had where he, um, he, so he was, he, he had two like crazy defensive plays in this game. One where he, he was guarding, um, he was guarding Cody Zeller and then 
he was like in the middle of a switch and he was still able to deflect a pass like headed to Jimmy Butler because as he was switching, he just saw the pass happening. And it, it was kind of Ed Reed-esque. Like you'll hear Peyton Manning like now like post his career be like, yeah, Ed Reed used to like bait me by being in the completely wrong position. Like that that's almost what it felt like. And that led to an IQ three. And then he had the one where he got the steal and it, it led to um like the crazy up and under where Hero just tackled him. Like I, I think, and, and then he had the one layup in the half court and like, I like, I, I think it's, this is an unfair comparison because he doesn't do it on the same volume and he doesn't have nearly the passing ability that the guy I'm about to say, but it feels like he's invigorated the Knicks in the same way Derek Rose did after the trade. And almost for the same reason that they just lacked a little bit of North South verve, like especially in the second unit where IQ would have that on some nights, but not every night in the half court. And there wasn't really another guy who provided that, especially with how inconsistent RJ has been this year. And he's kind of given them that same boost. And it feels like, like almost like I like I like like the one I guess I guess the one missing ingredient is really the only way to say it. like the Knicks sort of had everything else, but that was that was just like an area where you're like all right in the playoffs this could be exposed and and he he brings a lot of that to the table. Yeah, I tweeted this earlier, but I, I said that the perfect term in my opinion to describe Josh Hart is, is that he's an amplifier. I think mm. he really amplifies a lot of what the Knicks are doing on both ends. Um, I think whatever the Knicks need, he kind of slides in sort of Emmanuel quickly ish. Um, the, the way he's able to like do a little bit of everything. Um, I, I don't think it's at the level of quickly, but I do think what Hart has brought to the team is definitely a boost, like you said. And uh, and we we spent uh, we we just spent like two three minutes crapping on the guy, but uh, I actually thought this was like not a not a bad game for RJ. Obviously, shot it pretty well, eight for 15, 17 points. When which when I look at that total, I'm like I'm kind of stunned. I'm like oh, I would have thought like I would have thought eleven maybe. Um, but he he just, especially in the first half just had some really good takes. Like at one point going through. Tyler Hero, like a, a couple in in semi transition, had that great like pop to the middle of the floor when 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 IQ found him. Like it, I, I guess I guess what I'm trying to get at, like does this feel closer to what his ideal role should be, like in terms of how he could fit on this team, especially when when Brunson and Randall are, are kind of clicking the way they are. Yeah, I thought he had a solid game. Um, wanting wanting IQ over him is not a shot at like what RJ's performance was tonight. It was more so just of how good IQ was and how he yeah. has been. Um, I I just don't think RJ is the guy you want kind of chasing hero off screens who, who who loves to to go off screens on and off the ball, which I, I think puts RJ in a bad position. Um, but yeah, I think his role. I think he's had trouble kind of figuring out his own role. Um, I, I think he's someone who rightfully so, you know, drafted third overall. He, he wanted, I think he came into the season thinking he'd, he'd like kind of ascend to like a bigger role, you know, Julius coming off a bad season. So I think he's kind of it's taken him a little bit to adjust to it. Um, but yeah, overall, I think the last, like, I'd say like three, four games ish, he's been a lot better. Um, and I, I think he's kind of figuring it out and he's had some good quotes that I've read of him kind of acknowledging like, Hey, we're winning games. Like I'm just gonna, you know, like, we're all just doing what we, we have to do to win, which is good to hear. Yeah. And I think, I think that's what I've always appreciated about him is that at least off the court, there's always a real self-awareness there. And sometimes I question like if he, if he's just very smart and if he says that, and like, if he, if he really believes it based on some of the decisions he makes, but tonight there were, I mean, there were one or two bad shots mixed in there, but for the most part, I was like, I was like, I was pretty much fine with everything he was, he was doing offensively. And it kind of goes back to, I mean, something Mike Breen said, said during the game where he 
he essentially said, like, I remember RJ took a bad shot at one point. He's like, oh, that wasn't a great shot. He's like, wow, you, re- you rarely say that with this team. And that 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 quote kind of resonated in my head. I was like, oh, last year you said that, like, every possession you could sort of, like, Monday morning quarterback it and say, like, oh, not a great shot. Like, it just it, it just feels like that is, like, on a team that, I mean, I mean between Randall Brunson is some elite shot making and, and quickly, quickly getting to that category as well. But outside of that doesn't isn't the most talented, I guess, just scoring team. Like that is kind of their strength right now, right? Like it feels like everyone knows their role and everyone just is, is, is pretty good about making the right decisions in terms of when to shoot and when to pass. Yeah, and that, that's kind of why it's so important to get RJ going. And I think like even though the initiating reps when he when he's running pick and roll, especially like with the bench unit with quickly, and I pointed this out too as well, um, it's not always the prettiest. And sometimes the decision-making is questionable and, and he misses a couple of easy bunnies every once in a while. But um, I think you live with it because if you can get him going, while Randall Brunson quickly and even Mitchell Robinson to a less to a different extent defensively more so, but while they're all playing at this level, you you've really got something. Like I think RJ's sort of the wild card in that in that scenario. Um, so I, I think these last twenty games or whatever it is are, are very important in terms of like getting RJ to find a rhythm and a comfort within the offense where it doesn't feel like he's actively hurting it and, and he's actually giving something to the Knicks because. His rim pressure, for the most part, is unmatched on the Knicks. Um, he gets to the rim essentially at will. And, and I think Mitchell Robinson has kind of helped that in his return. So I, I'm just very curious to, to watch how that turns out down the stretch of the season. I, I feel like you're always very, very measured with this stuff. But before I let you go, I just I just want to get your opinion. I mean, we won, we won eight in a row. It feels like we're, we're just rolling through the other top contenders in the Eastern Conference I, what, what what do you see as the as the ultimate ceiling of this team right now? Depends on matchups, of course. Um, it looks like Cleveland's the likely first round matchup. I think that's a series they can win. They've mm-hmm. played Cleveland well all season. I think I think the fact that Cleveland always plays like a, a traditional five man is very good for the Knicks. Um, the Knicks also always are always playing a traditional five man. So I, I think that's a good matchup. Grimes has defended Donovan pretty well this season. The Knicks have guys who can kind of guard those those two guards that are that are explosive. Um, I think going up against Donovan Mitchell in any player series is is a little scary, but in terms of like high ceiling, I, I think the two like high, the two best teams I think that I would feel comfortable with the Knicks playing are, are like the Sixers and and the Cavs. I think those are the two teams that they can kind of really make something happen. Um, the Knicks kind of surprisingly well are matching up with Boston pretty well. I still take Boston just because Boston has that pedigree now. I think they've earned the benefit of the doubt, even if it's close. But I think if the way, depending on how it shakes out, they can really make some noise this season. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't disagree. I feel like, and and it's weird, right? Because I mean, some of the underlying numbers on the Cavs, I think they won ten games in a row going into the All Star break, and it was like number one defense in the league. They they were playing like a top ten offense. Like there, there are metrics there that scream like the Knicks should want to avoid that matchup at all costs. Um, but there's still something with like when I'm comparing those two teams, Joel Embiid just just scares me a little bit of more course. than yeah. than Donovan Mitchell. Even though I think I think the supporting cast in Cleveland is just, is just flat out better. Like I'm I'm not worried about 50 year old PJ Tucker. Like obviously James Harden, like the playoff record. Even though he's he's killed the Knicks this year, like the playoff record is what it is with him. Um, but that Cavs team, I, I guess I guess to kind of play both sides of this coin, just feels just feels young, right? Like would, I mean I mean they didn't. They didn't make the playoffs last year. They were they were in the play and they were great, but they kind of fell off down the stretch. Like Evan Mobley hasn't gotten a taste of, of playoff basketball yet, and it just it's going to be fascinating to see. I, I guess what the Knicks look like in those moments because tonight 
I, I, I think for, for better or worse was, was kind of a preview of what we're going to see. And, and I'm not, I, I mean, we, we just, we spent six minutes talking about it, but some of what I saw offensively scared me a little bit, um, especially against the, like the Cavs are at, at least as good as Miami defensively, even if they don't have quite that experience. Um, but this team just figures it out. It feels like. Yeah, I think I think the Knicks have a shot, uh, you know, against any team. Uh, the team that scares me the most, like in terms of like a Knicks-centric matchup, is Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee would would really hurt the Knicks, and I don't think it'd be like a very competitive series to be to be quite honest. I think the Brook Lopez and then them being able to go Giannis at the five, they they have so many different lineup combinations they can get to. I think I think that's the matchup the Knicks should be very like afraid of in terms of all, relative to the other teams. But Cleveland, Cleveland's good. I'm not trying to knock Cleveland. I think I think there's a world where they beat the Knicks in five, you know. Um, yeah. But but I think out of the other choices, I think that's the one that the Knicks should feel the most comfortable, you know, with their chances. All right, we'll we'll, we'll pull a Kyrie. We'll, we'll light some sage. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll pray for the Cavs. But but until then, um, Ariel Pacheco, can you can you just uh, you're, you're, if people are watching on YouTube, is, is Twitter's right here on the screen. But if not, can you just tell everyone one final time where they can find all, all your great work? Yeah, you can guys. You guys can follow me on Twitter at a Pacheco NBA. Um, everything I do is on there. So, all right, that thanks so much, dude. <laughs> Blast as always, and thanks for having me, and, on, man. man. All time, all time Knicks win one twenty two to one twenty over the Miami Heat. Uh, we'll we'll have you covered um, with with the Knicks. Uh, another Knicks recap on Monday. But until then, be good. We'll talk to you soon on Locked On Knicks.